Well, as a move away from risk assets today, is that because the Fed flagged concerns or is it because inflation numbers are out today and people are worried that they're going to rise even higher? Not just US CPI, but we also get producer prices for China. Won't they be rising on energy prices alone before you include lockdowns and strained supply chains? But in Oz, it's optimism all the way. Let's just hope we're right about that. It's Wednesday, the 10th of November, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has fluctuated little overnight. The major currency with the biggest moves is actually the Aussie dollar, which is down 0.7%. The US dollar's lost 0.3% to the Japanese yen. In fact, it's been falling against the yen since the middle of last week. It's down about 1% since then. And bond yields still falling. 10-year treasuries down seven basis points to 1.43%. Middle of last month, of course, they're up to 1.68%. So it's quite a fall in yield. UK 10s are down three basis points, down to 0.82% for their first time since September. But yields climbing a bit at the short end. And stocks, in a word, nervous, I think is the word. The Dow and S&P both down more than half percent. The Nasdaq's lost 0.6%. Bigger than the falls in Europe, where the FTSE lost 0.4%. The Eurostox 50 down less than 0.2%. And oil back on the rise, more than 2% up for WTI and 1.1% for Brent. Uh, Ray Attrell is here today from NAB in Sydney. So yeah, a jump from equities to bonds. Uh, And, you know, perhaps not surprising, it's been a fairly long rally, hasn't it? It had to finish up sometime. But, I mean, there's a a bit of pessimism in the air this morning, isn't there? Well, it seems to be. Good morning, Phil. Yes, I've been um, been away for four or five days and, you know, just turning on the news, you know, ever more impressive new highs every day for uh, for the S&P and, and, and come back. And it seems to have, I wouldn't say come crashing down, but uh, obviously the first down day we've had in nine. And um, it's not obvious what we should be pointing to, although, you know, catching up on the news flow, um, you know, what caught my eye was the Fed's um, financial stability report. And that came out on, yep. uh, on Monday. So, so uh, effectively, maybe Tuesday was the first uh, day that the market had a chance to reflect on that. And um, perilous yeah. plungers they yeah. talked about for risky yeah. assets. I mean, they're strong fighting words, aren't they? Perilous plungers. Well, that's right. And uh, and what have they? They've warned. You know, they've there are there are shades of um, the famous Greenspan. December 1996 irrational exuberant speech, which mm. um, which of course accurately predicted the decline in the stock market that happened about a year and a half later. <laughs> but um, but certainly that you know the Fed hasn't pulled its punches in warning about the risks. You know if the economy you know doesn't continue to perform exceptionally well, it's warned about risks of contagion from uh, the weakness in China's property sector, yeah. and um, it's also got an issue with stable coins. Let's not go there because my knowledge base will be exhausted within about three seconds. But um, they're also warning about some uh, stability risks relating to that. There's a whole litany of um, you know of excuses there, and I do wonder, you know, whether that's been um, you know part of the reason that we're seeing um, a little bit more cautious tone this morning. Right, and in, until today, I mean, has it been that equities have kept going because we thought that perhaps the Fed, you know, are going to remain accommodative for longer, longer than we thought uh, a month or so ago? And so there's uh, you know ec- equities obviously like that if there's going to be uh, more support coming from a central bank uh, and. You know, but now maybe they're looking at inflation. Is it is it that, or is it had have they just gone as far as they can? There's been a rally for such a long time now. Well, it may be. I mean, interestingly, when you know, look at where you know U.S. bond yields are. We're down at um, you know the low one forties today, whereas we were knocking on the door of. Uh, 
you know, 170 just a little while ago. And, and market was really questioning whether, you know, with the so-called risk-free rate having risen as much as it has, you know, whether you could continue to justify such elevated uh, stock market levels. And yet, um, you know, the market seemed less perturbed by that um, than it does with, with yields, you know, lower and this you know, so-called bull flattening that we've seen that certainly extended uh, overnight. So, mm. um um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit hard, and I think as you're listening to uh, the podcast with Rodrigo yesterday, it's a little bit hard to join the dots in a completely rational way just at the moment. But, we um, have to wait and see how it shakes um, out. But I mean, it's not that, not to stop mm. us theorising because. Uh, one of the uh, sectors that's fallen the most uh, overnight is the banks. So we've got uh, and the financial sector. Yeah. So Visa's down three percent. Wells Fargo's about the same. Bank of America one point six percent down, and so on. You've got a theory that this is uh, this could be to do with the uh, indirectly with the fact that Lael Brainard has been seen at the White House having discussions about getting Jerome Powell's job. Well, it's, it's possible. Um, obviously, you know, yesterday, um, you know, newswires were alive with the um, the uh, the revelation, if you like, that um, Lael Brainard, um, one of the incumbent Fed governors, and it has to be said, the only Democrat on the board of governors, and um, you know, not that that should really influence the decision, but clearly it was the uh, the key reason that uh, the Janet Yellen didn't get reappointed. Uh, to a second term uh, at the Fed under Donald Trump's presidency. But um, anyway, the chatter is that um, she had been interviewed for the Fed chair, presumably, as had Jay Powell as well. And Politico was reporting that a decision on uh, who will, um, whether Powell gets reappointed or not, will be made by Thanksgiving, when Thanksgiving is the 25th of November. Yeah, isn't far it? Away. Um, and it seems very, very clear that, um, you know, whether or not Brainard gets the, gets the nod, but if she doesn't, almost certainly she's going to take over from uh, Randall Qualls, who announced his resignation um, yesterday and has already stepped down from the uh, the, supervi- the bank's supervisory role. Uh, we'll get the nod there. So um, the, the, the sense that, um, you know, however this plays out, we're going to have a financial regulator on the Fed who's going to be tougher on the banks. And Brainard herself is in the past. The only time she's dissented from uh, from the Fed consensus has been um, with respect to banking supervision, which right. she regards as not being tough enough. So that would certainly, um, you know, that view would certainly play to to some underperformance and from the banking. She does stand a chance, hasn't she? I mean, she's been an advisor in the White House. She's worked in the Treasury and she's been at the Fed for seven years. So, uh, you know, she's known in those in those uh-huh. circles, uh, that's for sure. But back on the pessimism thing we have to get we'll, we'll get off the pessimism soon because we'll talk about australia where everything is optimistic but um in the pessimism which is driving markets today we also had the nfib uh, survey of business sentiment which fell to a, a seven-month low you know right at the time when things are supposed to be pick, picking up i think that's get that's getting people nervous isn't it these are supposed to be the good times coming out of the pandemic uh but we have businesses saying yes we're pushing up prices so that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, but they're, they're saying it's not a good time to expand their business and lack of work is a big problem. And, you know, we're hearing in the background as well concerns that, you know, how many of these 4 million actually are going to come back? How many of them have retired early or they're doing cash in hand work? You know, there's, uh, there's a question about whether job numbers will go back to how they were. Oh, certainly, and uh, I think that you know we'll be watching the um, the participation rate. I mean, we're all you know keen to we're always being locked on to uh, non-farm payrolls, to uh, what the unemployment rate's done, and what uh, average average earnings done. But I think as we go forward, 
um, you know, looking at labour participation to answer that very question, I think is going to be increasingly important. And it's a, it, it's a big, uh, it's a known unknown, I would say, at the moment. Um, but going back to the NFIB, yes, so 98.2 down from uh, 99.1 and 99.5 expected. So a seven-month low there. And, you know, tellingly, no positive responses yet to what have been very rapidly falling uh, COVID cases in the last in the last few months. The fall was led by the expectations component, which does tend to be a bit more volatile than sort of current conditions. Um, but certainly, you know, that reflects views on the economy, on firms' own sales, and, and their own sort of revenue and profitability. Mm. Um, I think you know, the difficulty hiring labour and, and the rise in prices that small businesses may be struggling more than others to pass on could be part of the story. But of um, note, though, the capex intentions was uh, was particularly strong. So it's around the underlying messages that firms who are still struggling to hire labour or you know, or be willing to pay what they're going to have to pay to attract them, um, you know, are looking to to increase capex. So what we would call the capital substitution effects <laughs> may be coming through there. So, um, but yes, yeah. it's certainly surprising. It's surprising that uh, we perhaps we didn't see a better response, particularly. You know, given how rapidly um, COVID cases have been coming down. Now, slightly more optimism, perhaps, in Germany, the Zuserv of economic sentiment. We saw a big rise there. But interestingly, current conditions, a big fall. So what are we saying? We're saying, well, things aren't great now, but they're going to get a lot better. But I feel like we were saying the same thing. I'm trying to be positive here, but I do feel like we were saying the same thing earlier in the year, weren't we? No, absolutely. So as I say, I think the, the expectations component was the redeeming feature up from 25, sorry, 21 to 25.9. But as you say, current conditions down from 12.5 from 21.6. And sort of related to that, I did that, have a look at the German trade figures, which were out yesterday. And it's, it's notable that exports um, remain negative in year-on-year terms and, uh, you know, been warning about the potential sort of cold uh, winds blowing from China's slowdown and then how that would impact on some of the bigger export-dependent um, economies of which Germany, you know, is, is clearly sort of up there as, uh, as one of the largest. So, um, you know, whether or not that's that's one of the factors, um, it's certainly possible at least. But, um, but yes, it does seem generally with the, with the Eurozone, it's, it's those, uh, those sunny uplands are, are always just around the corner. Now, let's remember that, you know, Q2 GDP, you know, rose at, a, at four times the rate that the US did in uh, yeah. in Q3 at least. So, um, you know, all is not uh, all is not lost in the, uh, the Eurozone recovery guard. Yeah, well, you know, in that report from the Fed, one of the things that they were saying was one of the risks uh, was, you know, the, the, the recovery might be slower than had been anticipated. But hey, we're not expecting to see that in Australia. Uh, you know, so uh, let's just hope we're right on that. The NAB business survey was certainly uh, pointing in a in a positive direction, wasn't it, with confidence up? Oh, absolutely. So we had conditions up uh, six points to 11 and confidence up 11 points to, to 21. And obviously that comes alongside the uh, the reopening of uh, of New South Wales and, uh, and, you know, towards the end of the survey period, um, Victoria at least. So very much driven by, um, by New South Wales at least. And, um, you know, business conditions improved across... You know, trading conditions, employment, profitability, and um, you know, and, and and confidence bounced further, I guess, because you know, market was really looking to, to what Victoria might now do, um, and obviously what might happen with uh, with New South Wales, no, sorry, New South Wales now. Um, you know, that said, on the prices side, we've got uh, a little bit of slowing in uh, in retail prices, but uh, but upstream purchase cost series very strong at uh, at two point seven. That's the highest reading we've had since two thousand and eight, but. 
uh, but in general, um, no, sorry to uh, sorry to rain on your parade, but uh, there was nothing particularly concerning. No, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, and it certainly certainly fits um, you know our view that um, you know that the economy is going to, to have a pretty good uh, next few months, and we're so heading into the end of this year and next year. Um, there's nothing not to like about the survey. No, well, look, I'm all for positivity, Ray. But one, just one thing, just to dampen it a little bit. How many countries have been where Australia is right now, coming out of lockdown and talking it up and then being disappointed? Is there something about Australia which makes us different? No, that's, and that, that, is, you know, that is a risk we have to be aware of. And, uh, you know, and one of the things you know, we were talking about from the early stages of the pandemic is whether or not the consumer, you know, as cashed up as they are, are going to be quite so uh, enthusiastic about uh, about going out and, and spending. Whereas looking, but looking at some of the looking at things like open table bookings, for example, and comparing them to pre-pandemic levels, you know they're actually up on those levels. Now whether that's all the rush because uh, a lot of people have got another voucher from their state governments to uh, to help them go out and spend, but it does seem at the moment that uh, there is a, there is a high level of pent up demand. But then the question would be, well, but how quickly is that sated, and yeah. can we continue to travel at the rate that we probably will in the next couple and of months did, at least. And do they go out and say, oh, well, this is fun, but oh, that was a bit pricey. We won't be doing that again in a hurry. You know, there's all those questions, aren't there? Look, uh, speaking about prices, inflation, lots of it today. Well, in terms of data releases, we get the US CPI. Uh, we also get CPI for China as well. But more importantly, we get producer prices. So, uh, you know, we, they have to go up, don't they? I mean, we've been seeing them rise, but, you know, we've seen energy prices rising. We've still got issues with supply chains. Uh, and, and obviously, if those uh, producer prices go up in China, we can expect that number is going to push through to other parts of the world as well. No, certainly. So I think that, uh, you know, we'll be looking at that PPI, as you say, that's the that's the lead indicator, if you like, of, of China's ability to, to export either disinflation or inflation. Mm. And um, and given that we've had, you know, I was looking at the something like the CRB index, for example, it was up another 5%. We know that uh, uh, restrictions were relaxed on, um, you know, industrial um, energy prices, for example. So that will be a big, uh, that will be a big feature. So um, we're likely to see, you know, double-digit uh, PPI, um, and I think that will be something of a concern. So, you know, heading into the uh, to the CPI numbers, obviously from the US tonight, where um, I don't think we're going to see any comforting news as yet. In fact, uh, we're looking for slight upticks in both the um, the headline and the core ex food and energy measures, with the headline number up at five point nine. And although us, um, you know, economists and policymakers tend to be dismissive of headline versus core um, from a point of view of inflation expectations and um, you know and wage bargaining um, demands really you know, headline inflation is arguably more important so um, I don't think we should just you know then there's a risk that that sort of ticks up to say six percent for example and I, I don't think that sort of number should be completely lost on markets I feel like we've spoiled the party today we'll be far more upbeat tomorrow morning uh, but we'll we'll just leave where we are now uh, we'll get out while we can I think good to talk Ray catch you again soon Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And the optimism tomorrow will be provided by Gavin from NAB in London. I'll be back again tomorrow as well. Have yourself a great day. See you in the morning.